This is the end Hold your breath and count to ten Feel the earth move and then Hear my heart burst again For this is the end I've drowned and dreamed this moment So Welcome back to Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast, brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors of White Rocket Entertainment. I'm your host for this program, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. And joining me as veteran Bonifile co-host is my brother, Jason, the Weasel Skull Albrecht. Welcome back to the show, Jason. What's the most Bond-like thing you've done since we recorded Quantum of Solace? Entering into arts and crafts season, so Julie has been working frantically to prepare for Operation Olympia Bearzar. I'm preparing for this operation coming up this weekend where I am providing logistical support, which means lifting heavy things and... <laughs> and supporting her while she sells a lot of art. Watch out for those runaway carts. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't have Delvin there anymore, so I'm already prepared. Insurance is all paid up. Excellent. Well, this is the 23rd episode, fellas, of our ongoing series on this channel called MI6 Rookie Agents. And on Rookie Agents, Jason and I are taking two friends from our lives who are not familiar with the 007 universe through the entire series of films. One movie at a time. We are almost done. But the fun part about this show, what kind of sets us apart from other Bond podcasts, is we get the newcomer's point of view on the film series that we love so much here at, on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. So we get fresh takes, fresh eyes, not 20 years of Bond experience, weighing them down, just letting us know what they think. Most of the time, they do a pretty good job. And then sometimes Delvin screws it up. But we'll see how it yeah. goes tonight. Yeah. <laughs> we, we call that the for your eyes only syndrome. <laughs> can happen to anybody. Well, let's welcome these rookie agents to the show. We will start with Delvin, the dark web, Felix Leiter, Pop Pop, his silver hands, hot thing, Williams. Yada, yada, yada. Welcome back. And you know what? If you've got something Bond-like you've done, I want to know about it. If you don't, it's been far too long since we've had a Felix Leiter update. Proceed. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Felix Leiter <laughs> update. Yes. Yeah. I did nothing Bond-like. My life's boring. Uh, so, yeah. Let's jump into the Felix Leiter update that I'm sure, Jared, you'll appreciate. Okay. Carl Gerard is a scientist who is in charge of a top-secret helicopter program deep in southern Alabama. He's being tempted. The enemy knows that this is a secret helicopter that could just change the world and they found out that Carl has a weakness. And so they send two beautiful ebony women, Aurora Knight and Misty Monroe, mm. to tempt him and to try and give the, the secrets up. And Wait, did they come with hostess fruit pies because his weakness is <laughs> diabetes? I think I know who this is. <laughs> And so Felix's job is to convince his best buddy he can't do this and he has to fight the good fight and resist for America. So the next Felix Leiter update is the swirl is not enough. <laughs> the <laughs> swirl funny, is not enough. 
the swirl is not enough. Pat looked confused. <laughs> I'm trying to understand the swirl. You don't know the swirl? No, I don't. Oh, man, Pat. I live in Wisconsin. Well, let's just say that it's a colloquial phrase. Jared Albrecht is down with the swirl. <laughs> <laughs> means he likes to mix the vanilla uh, with the chocolate. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay. Yes. Educational episode. Crazy <laughs> 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 learn. All right. Edit from here. All right. Here. I'll figure out how to edit that up. And Pat, <laughs> welcome back to the show. What's the most like thing you've done since last recording? Me and Lady Christatos. Mm-hmm. We are uh, kind of getting things ready for checking our list, make sure we have everything packed. And so we are going on a Christatos family vacation pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So um, we are getting things ready. So I've been, we've been checking in with Q Branch here. Uh, Christatos Fall is what I call it here. Christatos Fall? That's the yep. name of your manor? Here, yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you, if I'm not mistaken, you are bound for a state that James Bond has visited great state yes. of florida yeah so i will be taking my terry cloth onesie with me <laughs> that's all right mm-hmm. i like it baby blue I like it. <laughs> baby I'll be blue. sporting that yep the only sporting way to go the- that is good stuff fellas welcome both of you back to the show and if this is your first time listening to our show uh welcome and i apologize <laughs> <laughs> for the last 22 episodes <laughs> yeah it doesn't get really any better from here but here's what we're planning on doing we release the show monthly as a companion to the show that van allen plexico and alan porter are doing on the network and they're going one film per month just like we are they do the sort of deep dive scene by scene trivia based knowledge based Van and Allen, couple smart guys. That's what you get from them. And then we follow it up with whatever the hell this is. The we- swirl is Emerging <laughs> listeners right now. <laughs> anyway, we're going to take this all the way through Bond 25, No Time to Die. And then we've got so much more planned for you after we rebrand the show. And these guys are no longer rookies. So there's a lot more to come. So just, you know, stay with us. It might be something different, though, because, you know, when you put two rats together, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what happens. I personally like the taste of coconut, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Uh, I got a junk boat full of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. You and Scaramanga. Joke's going back to Van with the Golden Gun. Yeah, man. They are no longer rookies. I hate See how much knowledge no I have? Wow. no longer rookies. Let's get to today's film, which is Skyfall. But before we get to our mission briefing from Agent Jason, he's going to jump right into the action with no parachute in our segment called What Makes You Say That? I'm now aiming precisely at your groin. Says speak over of a hotel piece. All right, here's how it works. I give Jason a line from this episode's feature which is a skyfall. And he rewinds the film in his head and tells us the line that comes before it. If it doesn't make sense to you now, it will in a minute. Jason, are you ready? Ready. Here's your first one. It's one word, and I have all the faith in the world in you, sir. Okay. Uh-oh. Here's the word. All right. Wasted. So, for example, if I say day, you would say. Yeah, you got it. Oh. <laughs> Very good, sir. Very good. Round two in the final round, she is. And like all great ladies, she still has her secret ways. So that was Kincaid. Correct. To M. Yes. When he's about oh, to show I her. I, I think I know go, it. Go ahead. Help me out. Because it's before he's about to show her the um, priest hall. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is such a beautiful house. 
Oh yes, I was gonna say she had to be complimenting the house. Yeah, I, yes. I, yeah, I got it. It's that was one word off. It's a beautiful old house. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I was on the right track. Thanks for the help, Pat. <laughs> all right. Hey. Rookies are just rookies no longer. Delvin had it. Pat had it. Jason, yeah. had it. we all had pieces. I still give you props, Jason. It's tougher on these later mm-hmm. movies that we haven't seen as many times. Well done, sir. Well done. We'll give him the credit. And with that, Agent Jason, please give us our quick mission brief on Skyfall. It's gone. You both know what's at stake here. There isn't much road left. Take the bloody shot. What do you say about a man like that? Three months ago, you lost the drive containing the identity of every agent embedded in terrorist organizations across the globe. 007 reporting for duty. Where the hell have you been? Enjoying death. I only have one question. Why not stay dead? There's no shame in saying you've lost a step. Targeting her. They wanted her to see it. Welcome to the new MI6. I'm your quartermaster. You must be joking. Also PPKS 9mm short. It's been coded to your palm print, so only you can fire it. Less of a random killing machine, more of a personal statement. Q. 007. I want to meet your employer. How much do you know about fear? All there is. Not like this. Not like him. Just look at you. Chasing spies. England. And my sex. She sent you after me. Not when you're not ready. Not when you would likely die. Mommy was very bad. The two survivors. This is what she made us. Everybody needs a hobby. So what's yours? Resurrection. Okay, folks, I got to admit, this is one of those kind of like if you remember back at Goldfinger, I had some big problems with the plot. Same here. Giving you the warning before I get started. Here we go. When 007 fails in his mission to recover a top secret hard drive from international terrorist Patrice, he is shot in the line of duty and presumed dead. Does he report back to MI6 that he's alive? Of course not. He's Daniel Craig and he goes rogue. Actually, he just kind of shacks up with a hot lady and does a lot of drinking and pops pills like the Pez. But while 007 is OFO, and for those of you who are not military, that is a military term for out effing off, an unknown terrorist attacks MI6 headquarters and begins using the information on the hard drive to expose and murder undercover British operatives. When Bond learns of the attack, what does he do? 
he goes rogue on retirement and goes back to MI6. <laughs> there they discover the first clue to put them on the trail of the bad guys. The bullet fragments in James' body from Patrice's gun. And now I gotta break in. Because we must dwell on the fact that if 007 had not decided to play hooky for how long was he out there? Like six months? They would have had that clue and that those agents would probably still be alive. So yeah, while he's out getting drunk and shacking up, agents are dying because he wants to leave a uranium depleted shell fragment in his body for some ungodly reason in your own summary yes but this is important this is important fellas it plays into a deduction it round for this <laughs> well we're putting the deduction round on the front burner this <laughs> anyway back to the script Despite failing literally all of his psychological and physical tests, Bond is put back on the case. He soon discovers that the villain is none other than a former British agent betrayed by M seeking his revenge. Bond teams up with a beautiful MI6 operative who, in a surprise to literally no one, turns out to be Ms. Moneypenny, and a millennial Q who doesn't actually make anything and boasts about how important he is while unwittingly helping the villain advance his plot. It's just kind of a mess, folks. That's all I'm saying. It's kind of a mess. But anyway, gunfights, chases, showdown Scotland with a special appearance by the Aston Martin DB5 and a tragic ending brings to a close the 23rd installment in the franchise. Financially, it topped more than a billion dollars worldwide and is considered by many to be one of the best of the Craig films. Cast is Daniel Craig as James Bond, Javier Bardem as Silva, Naomi Harris as Eve, Ray Fiennes as Gareth Mallory, Berenice Marlowe as Severin, and Judy Dench as M. Back to you, Jared. I give it all back to you. Thank you for that, Agent Jason. I see chaos on our future because I really like this movie. Although, I don't disagree with anything you said. <laughs> Brothers in arms. Here I'll we tell go. you what. To fight, fight. Well, you know what? It's not about what Jason thinks. It's not about what Jared thinks. The whole hook of the show is about what the rookie agents think. So let's get into our segment called Declassified. Do you expect me to talk? All right, folks, we're going to break this movie into a few pieces and get the insights of our rookie agents. And then Agent Jason's going to give us some overall insights, bond bombs of trivia. I think he already gave his overall insights. So <laughs> cool, I have more, Jared. I have more. <laughs> Along with this trivia, he's going to lead Agent Pat and Agent Delvin into the scoring round. But before we do all that, let's break this rookie review up into the following sections. We're going to talk pre-title sequence, song and opening credits, Agent Jared's choice, where I pick something that I think is standout from the film to get the rookie's opinions on, and then their overall opinions on the film. So let's get cracking. Pre-title sequence. Delvin, go. So yeah, we jump right into the action. They even started with the, that, like, hey, pay attention. Hey, James Bond like that. <laughs> the trailers are over. Wake up. <laughs> so, yeah, and it did. And, you know, you, you got a guy critically injured. I wonder whether or not they intentionally, I know they were saying, yes, ma'am, but it sounded like they were saying, yes, mom. Yes, mom. Mm-hmm. When Bond first said that, it kind of played a joke on Quantum of Solace, where there is that reference of like, you know, who is this? You know, is this your mother? And it's like, yeah, she thinks she is. <laughs> so it was a pretty interesting play. And, and I liked that. That crane stunt was insane. 
<laughs> cool. Like, mm-hmm. good grief. That was just a crazy stun. That train fight was frantic, and I couldn't even imagine having to fight someone under those circumstances like that. That was just brutal. And it ending with just a very simple, uh, there was a long pause, and then they just, Money Penny said, agent down. And it was like, oh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Action packed. Fun, attention-grabbing opening pre-credits. Definitely. I got things to say, but let's see what Cristados has to say. You know, I totally agree with Delvin. The minute that opening, that white light, and then you saw that just that kind of blurryish shadow, mm-hmm. and like, oh, here it comes. Oh. And then they just <laughs> then he slowly walks up like that. I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. Let's do this. <laughs> the action in this opening scene was great as well. I want a gun like that bad guy had in the driver that was driving the car. It was like a, a handgun that had two, two canisters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, whoa. Firing a full automatic. Yeah. And he just popped up with a. I'm like, wow, that's cool. What sound does it make? <laughs> I like it. I like it. The bike scene on top of the roofs. Yeah. Really cool. interesting. Man, that'd be kind of cool to see them actually filming that. I mm-hmm. think it would be kind of really cool to see. And the train scene, as Delvin mentioned, just an amazing action scene all the way around. When Bond jumps on the train, he fixes his suit. That's he right. takes that pause yeah. just to, oh, yeah. you know, do that, check, you know. Check that cuff link. Make sure <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I could be that smooth. <laughs> yeah, he, I think he, you are. He yeah. was all, He was shot. Yeah. <laughs> he was shot. He had just scaled onto a train via a crane <laughs> and lands after that explosion. Yeah. I'm waiting for him to get on there and then go, tickets, Come please. On. Tickets, please. <laughs> well, let's not forget, too, he just like penny flipped himself off the bike onto the train. That yeah. was. Mm-hmm. That would have taken me out of the fight right there. <laughs> like, they got away. I don't know, like the, Peter Griffin, the, like, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Those agents, the jig is up, man. <laughs> Did anyone notice the bike landed upright? Ah, I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. I saw him fly off of it. And, yeah. Yeah, he flew off of it and landed, and the bike landed upright. I'm like, how? <laughs> All it needed was a slide whistle. <laughs> Well, it sounds like we got a lot of positive feedback on the pre-credits. And I did say I wanted to say something about it, too. This goes back to something that Jason said, I believe, on our last episode. After Casino, which was heavily, it was emotionally heavy. Mm -hmm. Jason and I both said we wanted to say, okay, that's Bond has started now. Let's go see, you know, a Bond movie, not such an emotional movie. And they followed it up with another emotional movie. They did. And, And so I like Skyfall a whole lot because they finally gave me what I wanted. Okay, we got all the emotional baggage stuff. We know who Bond is and where he came from. Let's just watch a new adventure. We got to see that. And there's humor moments in the opening credits. Oh, she mm-hmm. busts the beer off and he goes, it's all right. You weren't using it. <laughs> She's like, I wasn't using that one either. I wasn't using that one either. And the whole cufflink thing. And I was just, it just really made me feel like the bond that I wanted to see was back. So I know this isn't a rookie agent opinion, but I just thought it was worth saying that it really set a tone for what I had been looking for, which is probably why I'm so forgiving of this movie where my brother apparently is not. (laughs) Now, I will say I still enjoy this movie, and this is one of the finest opening scenes, definitely of the Craig, probably the best one of the Craig. Yeah, I've actually forgotten how good it was until the rewatch for this podcast. In fact, in my head, I was like, what happens in the opening scene? 
I know he gets shot, but I don't remember what leads up to that. And then I was like, oh my goodness, I forgot how good this was. And I think we need to give credit too to the actor who played uh, Patrice, man. Like he was a physical match for Bond the whole way as well, mm-hmm. all yeah. throughout the movie. So that was pretty impressive. He was no Dominic Green. <laughs> no, he was not. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to add that Miranda reminded me sometime a couple weeks ago that I had watched this movie. I went with her shortly after we got married and we watched, or not that much shortly, probably seven or eight months after we got married. And about halfway or so through the scene, I'm like, wait a minute. I know how this ends. <laughs> nice. And, and Not so yeah, rookie anymore. I still have a very fresh eyes perspective because I only saw that once. And it's been seven plus years mm. since I've seen it. So uh, yeah, don't worry. If anything, I had a couple of questions about whether what thoughts I had then now match up with all of the Bond history that I have in my head now. Right. Is my opinion about the same, and that'll be discussed. Yeah. Oh, very right. interesting. Right there with you too. I, I did rent this when it came out to be you know, viewed because I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you know, just all these people like this bond. Let's you know, let me try this. See what this Craig's all about. Mm-hmm. Rented it, watched it. I kind of remember a little bit of it, but it's been such a long time too. And now that I have this more deeper history and knowledge of Bond, I think this was a really interesting rewatch. I'll definitely be interested in your opinions. One more quick addendum before I pass it to Jason for the song. For those of you who are video gamers, if you ever played 007 Legends, it's a really cool video game where you get to play James Bond through like the Goldfinger scenario, through a License to Kill scenario, Moonraker scenario, several of the movies, like five or six of the different movies you play through scenario. And this is the through line. This opening scene, the way the video game starts off is this scene. Bond gets shot and he oh, falls in the so water. He's like remembering and he starts it? playing his memories as he's oh. as he's falling. And I was like, that is super clever. <laughs> nice. So you're basically playing his memories from his old missions. And I was like, that's pretty cool. So anyway, that's just out there for those of you who listen that maybe never gave 007 Legends a shot. Give it a shot. If for nothing else, that mechanic is really cool. Anyway, back to Jason. All right, now we're going to get a fresh take from the rookies on the theme song and the opening credits. And we'll let Delvin go first here, then we'll uh, guide it over to Pat for his thoughts, and uh, he can take charge on song rating at that point. I had mixed feelings on it. I remember when it came out that people were freaking out because it was Adele. I remember the song being very popular, and you couldn't really go anywhere without hearing it. And then also Miranda is a big Adele fan. I always joke with her between Adele and Beyonce. She knows every word and inflection (laughs) of all the songs. And in fairness to Adele, she is a mega talented singer. That has to be said. And so I understand that there is that part of the enthusiasm as well to have someone like Adele, someone who is a Brit, sing a Bond song. That said... What I like most about my favorite Bond songs is, in this case, it was ladies. They just go completely after it. There's so much heart and passion into the song. And this song, you got the sense Adele, she didn't mail it in. She cared about it, but it just kind of stayed along the same flow. It was pleasant. It was beautifully sung. It just did not stir and motivate me like I thought it was. It absolutely did fit in with the pre-credits. 
it was perfect for the pre-credits. It was perfect for the theme of the movie, but it just didn't stir and motivate me like some of my favorites did. And I think I was expecting it due to the talent that Adele is. Hmm. Okay. All right. Sounds like maybe you had higher expectations than what the song delivered. I did. You never had that moment where it's like, golden eye. (laughs) Yes. I got it. I'm thinking like Patti LaBelle and how she just went at it at the end of the song. And, you know, Adele just never did that. And maybe that was just the theme of the song. I'm definitely not trying to attack such a wonderfully talented singer at all, but just something about it just didn't completely stir me like I wanted to be stirred. I'm going to do a little attack. She couldn't put that song on the soundtrack. Mm. It just can't be on the collected edition. Maybe Adele doesn't know how Bond fans work. You may, you may make a good point there. Anyway, enough of that. Enough about me. What do you think about the credits, the opening credits stuff? The opening credits, I loved. Just from the very start, it was a throwback to what the old themes were. I've watched enough Bond movies now that I can't even come up with a word for what it is that those opening credit scenes were under Connery especially, and they were kind of trippy and cool and sexy all at once. That's kind of what this one was. And you can tell that they went out of their way to make it like that. And I appreciated that effort. A mix of old themes, but it had new technology. And in a way, that's a lot of what the whole Daniel Craig Bond seems to be about. I really did enjoy it. Cool. So what about you, Pat? What are your thoughts on the song? I am kind of with Delvin as well. This is a average song and nothing against Adele. Definitely a great singer, but a safe song. Best way to say That's it. That's a good it's, way to put it. It's a safe, it. yeah. safe. That's a safe song. Yep. She needed to, like, get it. you're going to do a Bond song. You got to do it with a great voice and definitely a safe song. Would it be something I want to listen to again and again? Eh. No, because I, it wasn't even really memorable to me after all these years. I'm like, yeah, okay. It's an average song. Okay. Um, as far as the credit scene, definitely very well done. The graphics and how they showed him falling and just kind of blended into that credit scene like that. And them using Craig in there, because when they get closer, you can see that he was part of those whenever they would bring and show a Bond doing something. It was him. The shadowy kind of look, you knew it was him. So I really like that. It's worth mentioning, and this feeds more into the pre-credits, how in the hell is he not dead <laughs> he, he's bomb he should be dead dead mm. i wish they would have even explained how he wound up on the island that he walked because he is you know you remember when brosnan fell and tomorrow never dies right yeah when he busted his shoulder was world is not enough world is not okay, world okay. Is not enough and you know he's walking away kind of cradling his arm this was infinitely worse. Bond was mortally wounded, and then he fell a long way and hit the water. He did. He did. <laughs> well, you only live <laughs> twice. <laughs> well, and also, and I'll go back to the uh, depleted uranium fragments he's been walking around in his 
muscle tissue for six months. Uh, you got cancer, Craig. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it to you, but yeah, not a smart choice. Well, let's hand the reins over to Pat. Have him lead us through the song reading. Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. Let's go ahead and get to that song reading for Skyfall by Adele. And we'll go ahead and start with Jared. What's your rating on the song? Is a one through seven? Something tells me I'm going to be the high rate on this song, boys. I heard you guys talk about it. Did not like it, what you had to say. <laughs> I think this is an awesome song. I'm all in on it. Well, not all in. Six out of seven. Right. I really like it. I'm a big fan. Delvin. I'm not as low as you think I might be. I'm out of five on it. It's pretty. It's very pretty. And she sung it very well. I wanted it to be Tina Turner. I wanted it to be Gladys Knight or Patti LaBelle. I wanted it to be there, and it's just not for me. Jason? Well, Pat, I like how you put it. It was a safe song, and I think I'm also with Delvin in that my thoughts were, if you're getting somebody of the caliber of Adele, I'm hoping for a belter like Tina Turner or Patti LaBelle or Gladys. And, you know, we didn't get it. We got a good song, technically a very good song. I wanted great, but like Delvin, I'm going to land on a five. If musical genius Joe November was here, <laughs> you know, this to me, I mentioned it, it's an average song. So, you know, one through seven, halfway is a three and a half. But I think, you know, that she played it safe. I'm going to bump it to a four. It worked well with the opening credits and the overall theme of the movie. All right. Four, two, five, and a six isn't bad. Yeah. It's about where it should be. And with the rating of the song safely tucked away, let's go ahead and hear what Jarrett has to say for Jarrett's choice. All right. For Jarrett's choice segment this week, I want to ask specifically about Craig Fights. And I'm talking fisticuffs, boys. One of my favorites is in this film, and it's done completely in silhouette when he fights the sniper guy in front of all the neon lights. That's super freaking cool. We saw some good fist fight on the train. We saw some good fist fight in Casino Royale. Mm -hmm. at, uh, well, I don't the know. Stairwell. The stairwell. I say the stairwell is a standout moment. Uh, he fights the guy at the beginning, but it's more of a chase than a fight. So, yeah, you're right. I would say the stairwell is a standout fight in that. The first kill that he has in the bathroom is mm -hmm. a very brutal and exciting fight. And then I think there was fighting in Quantum of Solace. I'm not sure. It was very confusing. <laughs> very jubbly and... He fought somebody in an apartment. Yeah, that was the best one when he fought Slate and killed Slate there. That one wasn't bad. So given all those samples of fights, we've seen a lot of Craig fights, and I, I think we've seen the best of it. I don't want to taint your opinions of Spectre, but I just I don't remember huge fist fights, although he does fight Batista at some point. He does, yeah. That's pretty <laughs> which good. Is, which is cool. But given what we've seen now, what's your favorite Craig fight? And Pat, you haven't got to go first yet on the round. What do you think? Boy, you know, it's a toss-up between that first fight, his first kill, and I liked the shadow one, the neon one. Mm, this one, it was really, that cool. was really done nice, choreographed really cool. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to piggyback on that and just say that it's oh, choreographed so well that it's a silhouette fight, and I never was confused about who was who. No. And I'm like, that's all. impressive. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I watched it. There was, I guess, I was like, I could have sworn that was Bond, but nope. Somehow, I lost. Jason's <laughs> <laughs> no good at three card Monty. <laughs> I'm not. They had me. They got. Me. So, what do you think, man? I'm gonna go with the neon. This one. All right. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Dark web. That neon fight was awesome. It was really awesome. One of my highs, in fact. I'm remembering a fight that he had. It was shortly after he was brought back to M to the hotel 
Quantum. In the elevator? In the elevator scene <laughs> where he did Captain America before Captain America did <laughs> Captain America. Mm-hmm. No, that's legit. I didn't even bring that up. That's legit. He took those dudes out so quickly. It was like, wait, what the, what, what, what? <laughs> it was lovely and worth rewinding again to see how quickly he did that. That was an excellent piece of fighting. Cool. All right. Jason, you want to weigh in before we move on? I think I'm going all the way back to Casino with the stairwell fight scene. That was just intense with those two guys with the machete. and mm-hmm. yeah, Oh, man, that was a fight right there. He took about three quarters of an inch of machete into his chest at one point, I think. He, he did, man. <laughs> he, he did not leave that fight unmarked, but I thought that that was part of the coolness of it, man. He just like showed how tough and resilient and what a skilled fighter he is. All right. Good stuff. Well, that was Jared's choice was the Craig fights, and I'm going to pass it back to Jason now. He's going to get into the deeper overall thoughts. At least I think that's what you're going to do. Well, I think we've got to do the highs and lows in the double O player coming up. So, yep, we're going to get some deep thoughts of the film overall from Delvin and Pat. And uh, we'll let Pat go first. You know, give us a high or a low, Pat. What'd you think? I'm going to start off with a question. Oh, questions, questions. I'll yeah. get a question. And, I, and, and this movie deals a lot more with M. Yep. What is M's rank? In the old days, it was Admiral yeah. from the okay. books. You know, I don't I, know if they ever called him Admiral in the movies. They may have. I don't know. And that's where I was trying to remember what but, kind of a rank. But Lady M, they did not really talk about military service i think they kind of transitioned from and this is speculation here jason yeah. can weigh in at any moment but i think they transitioned from a military lead to i don't know that she came up through military ranks but there's nothing to say she didn't she's a terrible, terrible shot, shot. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she was there for us i don't know hey hey easy, easy. hey don't think i wasn't listening to gi joe and <laughs> Heard that joke about the ASVAB, Delvin. (laughs) (laughs) What? No. Oh, man. Uh, The way I understand it, though, in all seriousness, so I think from the government perspective, there's a minister of intelligence. And the minister of intelligence sits over several intelligence branches. And MI5, for example, deals with internal security. So anything tracking down to terror cells within England, for example, Okay. falls under the purview of MI5. And then MI6 deals with operations overseas, intelligence mm-hmm. operations mm-hmm. overseas. It's a very large department, which has like signals intelligence and human intelligence collecting capabilities. And that's what M is in charge of. She's in charge of all of the outside operations collection of intelligence. And that also includes the double O section, which does dirty deeds overseas, shall we say. Okay. I don't know if that fully answers the question, but it kind of is where it is in the structure as far as I understand it. Yeah, I don't know if she's military or not, though, going back to that. Yeah, I I was just because the others, you hear like Bonds, you know, he's a commander. He's a commander. Well, if you think about it like our CIA as an equivalent. There have been military rank people in charge of the CIA and also civilians in charge yeah. of okay. the CIA. So I don't think that there's any rule that says it has to be a military person, but it can be. I guess that's kind of what it was around. Does it need to be somebody from the military? Can it be a civilian that runs it as well? So very interesting. I just wanted to get a little more background on her because I, I think this was a really good movie about 
that you know that kind of centered around her a lot. Great to see the dame getting some. She was kind of the Bond girl in the movie, really. I mean, if you think about it, yep. yeah, you know, yeah, that's a good point. Definitely, this movie was another movie that I watched, and I really didn't write down a lot. Uh oh, Delvin. Um, yeah. <laughs> the day is mine. <laughs> Not falling for it. Before we record it, I'm like, okay, I got two days before record. I usually watch my movies towards the end of the night when all everybody else in the Cristatos Falls is asleep. <laughs> so I usually watch it then. I went to go see how long it is, and oh, I'm like, oh, this is a two and a half hour movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, an investment. Okay, so I, yeah. I got to break it up an hour and 15 minutes each night. But I ended up watching like two hours of it before I It'll started falling trying to write down notes, but I really don't have a lot of notes on it because it really kept me interested in it. I did like one other thing when he takes the bullets out of him. I don't know if it's a nod or whatever, but he always says for her, her eyes only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I caught that and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. I'll stop there and let Delvin do some talking. The movie was a lot about him. One of the first highs that I wrote down was a line that she said when they were very not subtly trying to get her to retire. And she said, to hell with dignity. I'll leave when the job's done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, ma'am. Absolutely. That's the type of leadership I want to hear about. And she already had my respect and I love her approach anyway. And that line was befitting of a dame. It was very powerful to hear. So great start to the movie. But I also add as a part of that and also as a nod to what Jared was saying earlier, this movie had so many moments that made me smile and bond. I was like, yeah, that is absolutely hitting on what makes James Bond, James Bond. They went out of their way to do it many times in this movie. Who knows why? I think that they did it because they wanted to remind fans that, yes, we have not forgotten who James Bond is. This is who he is, and this is always who he will be. Mm -hmm. It can still be fun. It can still be fun. And there there are just many moments Mm -hmm. in the movie that just made me outright smile. And I'll mention one of them now, and that was the banter back and forth between Bond and Moneypenny. Just excellent back and forth and the same deal between the two of them were it was just sweltering mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. shave scene i got i got yeah. papers from that <laughs> shave my face. Shave oh my oh my, <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> and when you don't know that who that she was you know that's what makes it now when you're saying that again i'm just going oh yeah so that's really interesting that's how you get that interesting background between their oh, connection God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll jump in on that scene as well, because I thought what really made that a great Bond scene is she's obviously feels bad because she shot Bond and botched the mission. And instead of having this ham handed dialogue or whatever, what he does is he gives her the razor and basically says, I trust you. I'm putting my life in your hands again. Mm -hmm. And I thought that is such a Bond moment, man. Mm -hmm. That is really cool. Visual storytelling, not exposition. Mm -hmm. Well, let me hijack this a little more, Jared. What was your favorite Bond moment in the movie? I wasn't ready. (laughs) I know you weren't. Plot quiz. Okay, I will tell you. I got it. I got it. My favorite Bond moment in the movie was right after the unfortunate death of Severine. 
you're questioning, does Bond still have it? He missed mm-hmm. his shot, and then he turns it on. He kills like six guys in three seconds. You can tell he had that mapped out in his head the whole time. Yeah, and I was like, I was, yeah. hell yes, that was a tactical awesome. guy. <laughs> that like was Kelvin super cool. said, that's one where it happens so fast, you go back and watch it again, you're like, holy cow, he's laying out fools like kitchen tile, man. Yeah, there's a term that's used. It's called economy of violence. Yes. He is very economical with his violence. <laughs> yeah. No that, wasted energy in that at all. Just that, that's what sprang to mind when, when you popped me with the Bond moment of the movie. That I was just whoa. You guys know I set you all up for this because this is mine. In the scene where he's doing the wordplay with the psychologist, and I noticed this watching it for the second time when he said, you know, agent provocateur, M bitch woman provocatrix there's one word where he is all serious and answers promptly and seriously not joking around in his face you could tell in his face and his delivery mm. country england that was a subtle brilliant performance right there you know mm. you could tell he's messing with this doctor the whole time country england just that was so cool murder it's the occupation. Employment. 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 Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> you know, and the reason why I noticed this in all seriousness, because I could have sworn Jared was going to use one of these. But what makes you say that? <laughs> I did, though. I did use one. <laughs> yeah, you did. I did. They wasted. <laughs> yep, yep. So I was like, I got to know each of these, man. <laughs> Agent I over on Twitter suggested that be the whole, what makes you say that? Is that we just go through those? Oh. <laughs> I, I think I could have done it. I think. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I'm taking this off the rails. Pat, give us another high and low. You know, another thing I like is kind of the new Q. <laughs> Don't get Jason started. Is interesting. <sighs> you know, <laughs> I like I like the way they brought him in. Are you kidding um, me? Are you absolutely kidding? Well, no, it's funny because we don't really go in for that double seven. Well, then you're freaking fired. You're not you. <laughs> you're money penny. You I brought like, me I my like- shit and my ticket. <laughs> That's all you did. You brought me some 1980s b- that Timmy D had in license to kill <laughs> and Whoa. a plane ticket and a radio, a crappy radio. <laughs> you can, come on, man. Hey, oh, that radio worked and it brought back up. <laughs> Salty agents. Yes. <laughs> I knew I'm Jason sorry. was going to go off on Do this. not like me. Oh, I've man. heard this for years. I could do I, more damage in my pajamas before I have my first cup of Earl Grey. Well, when are you going to start doing something that helps us he and not the damage. bad guy? <laughs> Let me just plug this into the mainframe here. <laughs> I what think the? I know where the weakness is, you. I'm, I on, I I'm, on team, I'm on team Jason about that. Let me just hardwire this into our system here and see what we can see. Well, but the, you, you, you look at that part, though. He's doing his job, and the other guy... Oh, of course you're defending him. No, I'm saying <laughs> the bad guy knew what was going to happen, so he was way smarter than Q. He had all this figured out, all that tech, you know, it, this is one big, long plan, one big, long end game going on here. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But what I liked about that scene when he meets Q, and he's like, who the hell are you? They do a little banter back and forth, and then I like that how finally Craig just goes, okay, you got me. <laughs> I like that quick little banter back and forth. It reminds me a little bit of him and the original Q, that kind of little banter. Oh, boy, I miss him. Yes. 
I thought that scene was really neat. Well, at least I thought how they brought it. Just for the angry people, we won't name no names, Jason. <laughs> I was going to say, Delvin, do you have any thoughts that are correct? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you, you see Bond being mad about it as well. And then he finally acknowledges and, and you know, accepts it because they're here to do a job. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. In with the good. <laughs> Delvin, sir, do you have any other thoughts you would care to share at this time? Likes, I, dislikes? I have plenty. This falls in a... What the sort of question category? I feel like we should have had some cross-dressing going on because we were doing the time warp again here. Is this a prequel? Is it not a prequel? Can either of you explain that? Because that, if I had a a problem with any of the plot, it's like you had the Q roll where Q is like, well, we don't do exploding pins anymore. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait. Is this a prequel? And then, like, there's the Aston Martin DB5 from Goldfinger. Right. But, like, like I thought this, <laughs> they're doing that Bond thing where they're picking and choosing what's going to, yeah. 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 You're and, right and, to be confused. And I remember thinking that when I watched it seven years ago. And I don't know why, because I had no, <laughs> I really didn't have a Bond background. But it was like, I understood the idea of the reboot and that they were taking Bond and putting him into the 21st century with all the tech and the cyber warfare and everything. But it was confusing because they were saying, okay, we don't do the crazy high tech gadgets. So what year is this set in? (laughs) I was a little confused by that. And if you guys had any, and if the explanation is what Jared said, I'll live with it, that they just kind of did that bond thing where it's like, just Mm -hmm. go with it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I I can live with that. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're just playing fast and loose with the continuity at this point. Okay. Fair enough. Well, in that case, the Aston Martin was sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's really inconspicuous. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a little uncomfortable <laughs> it, it, it may it may have been uh inconspicuous but that thing was freaking very ba if i'm not gonna uh, curse there we mentioned the fight scene up in the tower where it was illuminated and that was with the gunshots and that was very well done they sort of did a similar thing at skyfall at the end when the fire was mm-hmm. the backdrop Mm-hmm. to yeah. the fight and whoever thought of that that was a lot of great creativity where it was just the light of the fire that you had to parse out the characters and see what was going on and but you could clearly it wasn't any confusion and just bad storytelling it was great storytelling that allowed that visual to take effect and it was really nice yeah those were some fantastic visuals i can't hate on that at all all right pat coming back around lap number three you got anything left in the tank why is it called skyfall that was the name of the manor where he grew up okay that's it all right i'm just wondering and how do you get a manor like you know how do you name a manor that's bruce wayne man i I don't know yeah Well, that's Wayne Manor. That's kind of self-explanatory. Why isn't it Bond Manor? I don't know. Here's another thing that really bothered me about the movie. (laughs) So, like, he fails the psychological test is, like, from trauma in his childhood. He didn't just develop that. He's always had that. (laughs) So so now is not the time to catch that. You know what I mean? How did he become a double-O agent in the first place? (laughs) Well, they went to the orphan's home, right? 
Mm-hmm. That was it. That was <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah, there's some holes in this. I'll jump on the bandwagon. Silva used a subway train against Bond, as if he knew that schedule to the second that Bond would be there and he'd be on the ladder and. <laughs> <laughs> the train would come through. And speaking of which, Silva's like walking and then like the two guys that are in on it hand him his box that yeah. has his cop suit in it. Then he walks out and that car pulls up just in time for him to get yeah. in and drive off. And I'm like, there's just no way this can be that perfectly time. How in the world would he know? He's all like zipping up the suit like, I'm out of here in two minutes. For all he knew, they could have been like, oh, we'll get to that tomorrow. You know, <laughs> we're updating our system. We can't do that tomorrow. But like, it was just really weird how there's all this perfect time and it didn't really make any sense. It looked cool in a movie, but it didn't really make sense. Yeah, I mean, a lot of stars said. Did you have a problem with, with License to Kill and Sanchez and, and his plan when he escaped? No, man. No, License to no. Kill is a perfect movie. Yeah. Oh, no, man. his plan made perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, a man on the inside. I want to say something about Bond's vulnerability. I loved it. I loved it because he wasn't perfect. And he had undergone as big of a trauma as we have ever seen James Bond go through. And he was not okay. So maybe to answer your question, Jason, that, yep, like he had these problems before, but if you string together enough successes, maybe you start to forget all of that stuff that you were. And then when you had one of the biggest missions and they started in the opening credits by saying, we absolutely have to get this list. It is crucial we get this list back. It's a matter of national security. And we already discussed how immediately Bond went serious when he said country England. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He failed. He failed. And not only did he fail, he got shot and thrown off of basically a freaking waterfall. So he was mentally shattered. He was emotionally shattered. And so that's more than enough reason to bring into doubt any other phobias or fears or doubts that you may have had in the past that you pushed away thanks to all of the success that you had as this big, beautiful secret agent that you've been for. Who knows? Maybe it was a long time. Maybe it was a short time, depending on <laughs> on which part of the Bond story you want to believe this is. But what I'm saying is that one of the biggest failures in his life was enough to trigger all of that stuff in the past. I can buy that. Well, I just say boo-hoo. That's it. <laughs> no, I, I will say this. I mean, for failing that physical, he did way more pull-ups than I could <laughs> with a bullet in his shoulder. <laughs> and by way more, I, he had me beat it one. So, <laughs> And it was... Also excellent storytelling that you had M being very defiant and standing up to uh, Mallory because Mallory flat out was like, he's not ready. And M was like, he is ready. And as long as I'm in charge here, I pick my agents. <laughs> and then Tanner was like, oh, so did he pass? Like, oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 he passed. No. <laughs> Not by a long shot. <laughs> yeah. Failed everything. If that guy was shooting at water, the bullet wouldn't get wet. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, some people might think that that's like bad leadership or something. And it, it was kind of the opposite. It was him saying, I have ultimate faith in James Bond mm -hmm. to get yeah. the job done no matter what. I have more faith in a broken 007 than I have in a fully healthy 001 through 6. Right. Mm -hmm. That is a statement. 
That is a huge statement to make. And it just goes into the dynamic that they have developed between him and Bond. And Craig Bond in this case. Nice, nice. You guys are talking me off the ledge in some places (laughs) here. I appreciate it. All right, Pat, anything else? Do you got to fire anything else out? Just the Silva, uh, the villain. Mm-hmm. Interesting character, very theatrical. I think he liked his entrances and escapes and just all that. So I thought that was very interesting. And, and he really fit that part of playing that character. And when he took out his, you know, what does the Sinai do to you and all that? And I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, he took that thing out of his face. I do not want that oh. to happen to me at all. Oh. Like, yeah, that was terrible. But that guy, he was just a great actor, I think. He definitely made that part his own. Yeah, terrific villain. I I agree 100%. What about you, Delvin? Agree, disagree? Any other thoughts? I agree with that. I'll piggyback on that, and I'm basically done. Yeah, Javier Bardem, I think he was just slightly removed from No Country for Old Men Mm -hmm. and parlayed that success into this Bond movie. And yeah, the character he played was definitely multidimensional, was layered. You could tell just at the end, it was almost like he was glad that Bond took care of him. You could tell he was just waiting for someone to put him out of his misery. Well, yeah, he couldn't even do it himself. He couldn't shoot M. Yeah, he, he was so mad at M, but then... In his head, M was the one who made him. Yeah. So only M was the one who could really take him out. It was very complex and interesting. Jared, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Great actor, great role. I loved his entrance where he doesn't even show up until like an hour and 10 yeah. into the movie mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. The, the elevator doors open and he gives his speech about the rats as he walks mm-hmm. right to his mark. I love the way that he tried to throw Bond off his game with some homosexual stuff, but Unflappable Bond was like, it makes you think it's my first time, which I always thought was funny because you could either look at it as Unflappable Bond, or if you think about it, you're like, if he's been in the spy game for a while, he's probably had to seduce homosexual men. So it, this is, this is a Tuesday to James Bond. Like I've, whatever. Country thought, England, mother. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> I thought that was really well played, you know, in in a modern way, too, because it wasn't like, oh, you know, homosexuality, icky, wrong. It was just like, it's it's part of the job, you know, Mm -hmm. if I'm making sense. Well, yeah, you are making sense. And but you could tell that Silva did that just to see if he could unnerve Bond. Mm -hmm. Bond's like, no, no, no. Got to bring your A game. What makes you think this is my first time? (laughs) (laughs) Just him uh, taking out that girl. She's standing there with a shot glass on her. Like that was rough. And Bond's. That's a totally waste of a good scotch. Good scotch. (laughs) That was a. That was cold blooded. I mean, and Silver just gunned her down without even a thought. Too like God. That's just cold. I'm sorry I'm laughing, but I just thought about the scene before that where Bond shows up on her boat and just like comes naked into her shower. Yeah. And she's all like mm-hmm. into it. Like any of us would have been like, ah, get the hell out of here. Why is she wearing clothes? What the hell is happening? But only Bond can just like show up in the shower. I mean, I wash my hair. I close my eyes with this shampoo and I open it in Johanna's standing there. I'm still like, what the? <laughs> Don't sneak up on me like that. PTSD. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're, you're James Bond, and you can pull off a freaking Prince video. You touch if you will, my stomach. <laughs> she was 100 into him just showing up. I would have been freaked out. She was waiting for him to show up. Though, yeah, let's be she honest. was waiting. She was like, "It's time to cast off." She's like, all right, let's go. 
Oh, with you bozos. All right, Jared, what did we miss before we pass it off to uh, man, Pat for double O player? My last thing will be about Mallory as a new M. I really like the way they brought him in and developed his character from sort of the guy you hate to the guy you're actually starting to like by the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, he takes a bullet for him. He picks up a gun and starts busting caps. Before that, he was even like, when that one lady was just going on and on and on. He's like, for the sake of variety. <laughs> Can yeah. you hear from the world? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. like, he was a hard... But fair, man, and I really felt like they had brought back Bernard Lee in a way, because he reminded me of Bernard Lee. I Mm. thought so, too. I thought the end of the movie with lots to do, 007. This had the the padded door behind him, Mm -hmm. very old school. Yep. Mm Yep, the old like coat it. rack right in there, you know. It's like yeah. you just wait for that hat to fly. I, uh, I thought he might throw the hat, but <laughs> yeah, had he thrown the hat, I probably would have assumed. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just like the development of Mallory, and you guys already talked about. We talked about in older episodes how Connery and Lois Maxwell cooked up the backstory that they had been lovers early in their career, and basically we got to see that. A so, bit, yeah, thought that was kind of neat. And yeah, okay, well that's a good segue to Double O Play, isn't it? We've, we've <laughs> Got, we got to make some decisions. Yeah, we got so, some, we got a decision to make, fellas. Okay, so well, let's, let's let's do it. Let's go ahead and get to double O player. What's your verdict, Pat? I got three. Go on. I didn't catch the first name. I just got. There were no names. The beach girl. Beach, beach girl. girl. <laughs> yep. And then I have. I got the agent Eve Moneypenny. Eve. Yeah. And we really there was a lot of time in Skyfall. We don't know what happened between Bond and him and Skyfall. Nah. <laughs> I was thinking her more and Kincaid. Uh, yeah, they seem to have a little thing going. Yeah. But anyway, I that guy was cool too. So her Eve, uh-huh. and then I have the bad girl in the shower, Severine. Severine. Yeah. Severine. I, mm. Mm. She wasn't in there that much, so it's like, mm. eh. <laughs> Jared likes some severity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's all I got. Do we concur? Do we all agree that Pat is right this time, that Bond and Money Penny have hooked up? Mm-hmm. No. I, oh, Delvin says no. Oh. It's just a knee-jerk response. Oh. <laughs> 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 instinct. <laughs> Jared, what do you think? You know, I'm going to have to vote yes. I think there was so much sexual tension after that shave. I think they consummated. But, uh, you know, they left it up to us as the audience. There was so much sexual tension in there, you could cut it with a knife. You could cut it with a razor blade, man. <laughs> razor, yeah. I'm going to vote yes. I think that was the nod to the backstory that Connery and Maxwell cooked up all those years ago. That's the way I like to think of it. I agree. I vote yes as well. All right. You win this round. Yes. yes. You win this round. His time has come. Let me two in and I finally got you. I finally, see, that's the long play there, right there. <laughs> Just outlasted us. Yeah. <laughs> in, in the words of Ron Burgundy, agree to disagree. <laughs> Well done, agents. Now, real quick, let's have our veteran co-host, Agent Jason, weigh on on this one. Give us some thoughts if you have anything left in the tank. I doubt you do. Uh (laughs) (laughs) No, I laid it on the field, man. All right, then give us them Bond bombs. Let me just take a look at yours real quick. If you didn't mention it, I want to bring this up before you go. Okay. You didn't. Go for it. So, Kincaid, any guesses? Anybody here know besides Jason, who was originally supposed to play Kincaid, but it didn't work out? John Connery? John Connery. Mm. How cool would that have been? Every time I watch it, I like the guy who does it. I'm like, he does good. But every time I'm like, man, how cool would that have been? (laughs) How cool would that have been? Man, I I wish. I thought maybe you were going to be the Soviet guy. 
Czechoslovakia? <laughs> well, Sorry, Czechoslovakia? If Sean would have done it, they would have had to rename Skyfall The Rock. <laughs> but anyway i thought that was an interesting bit of trivia that i'll never get out of my head i just wanted to put it in your head okay so bomb bomb number one with this movie dame judy dance's screen time surpassed desmond llewellyn making her portrayal of him the most recurring character in the franchise after bond himself and then I found this kind of interesting. Daniel Craig and Javier Bardem both loved and played rugby. Uh, they played rugby when they were younger, and they became friends on the set, bonding over their uh, love of rugby, which I thought was kind of cool. And then the set of M's house in the movie is actually the home of the late composer John Barry. They brought John Barry's home into the Bond movie, which I thought was cool. Nice. What happened to M's husband? He died. He died. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Because you seen him in the other web. Yeah, in Casino Royale, he was alive. Mm-hmm. Well, he was laying there. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been the scene, man. Maybe. She might have, there might have been a, more to the scene where she hangs up and she's like, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what I like, though, is that Bon sneaks into her house. <laughs> Again, again, <laughs> which led to another very comedic moment where she was like, basically, we gave your apartment away. You should call. <laughs> <You're always laughs> Put your things in storage. Standard practice for an unmarried agent with no next to kid. I guess, guess I have to get a hotel. I guess so. You ain't sleeping here. Pretty <laughs> well, not sleeping here. <laughs> See, it brought the fun back. That's right. Now that we have Jason's 007 trivia nugget safely tucked away. <laughs> One of these days, I'll get through that line without snickering. Nah. Nah. It's time to have our rookie agent score the film. So, Jason, do your thing, man. All right. Let's light up some martini glasses here. Just a reminder to the fans out there, we rate this on a scale of one to seven. Seven martinis means you loved it. It shook your martini. Six means it was an excellent martini. Five means very good. Four is this is a good, decent martini. Three, it's just okay. Two, not so good. And one, you hated it. It stirred your martini. Stirred. Mm. Stirred it. So with that out of the way, let's turn it over to Delvin and ask him how many martinis he's going to give Skyfall. Mixed feelings. This movie, I I wrote this movie was a no-nonsense callback to everything good about Bond. It did not feel retread. And it put Bond back into where it belongs. It was a long movie, but it went quickly. And so if musical genius Joe November mm-hmm. were here, he would rate it a 6.5. Mm-hmm. Are you going to hold on like Bond in that elevator? Like, oh, oh man. That Are you going to off man. a six? <laughs> I, I felt bad for him too. Four, like four before I like. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I don't know how he didn't. Oh anyway, help me out, senior agents. I got an angel on my shoulder here. In this case, I think that's gonna be Jared. I got a devil on my shoulder here. I think that's gonna be Jason. Well, let me be very clear. I really like this movie. I feel about this the way I feel about Goldfinger, in which I really like that movie as well. But there's like this obvious kind of like the stands out to me flaw that prevents me from making it a perfect movie however having said that i do like a lot of a lot of it so i mean you know take that for what it's worth i will jared it's in my top 10 (laughs) you can give me more than that come on it's craig's best film in my opinion it takes everything we love from Casino Royale, the new raw edginess. It adds the splash of fun that we got with Roger Moore. He was charming in this one. He wasn't so brooding. Lots to like about it. Lots of action, lots of cool characters with him and Money Penny. 
I don't know, man. And of course, neon silhouette fight. <laughs> <laughs> neon silhouette fight. But do what you're going to do, man. I think um, you're teetering between six and seven. I don't think you can go wrong either way. I am. I really am teetering. I got to get off the stop one way or the other. So seven. Seven. Woo! All right. Yeah, I'm not going to hate on that at all. Ah, uh, good movie. It's a reason it made a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. All right, Pat. Are you going to match that seven, or are you getting off on a lower floor? Well, I tell you, I'm going to hang on, and I'm going all the way to the top as well. I'm giving it a seven. I really oh, enjoyed this one. Uh, did you like that one? It was a little iffy between the six and the seven, but I am going to give you a little secret here. I am liking these Craig movies. There's something different about them. Having gone through all the others, not that I don't enjoy the, all the other ones either, but I really have taken a liking to these Craig movies. And I don't know if it's just some of more, the more realness of it uh, happening a little bit. There's just something that they're doing in these that it pulled me into liking some of the Craig. I think I like seeing the beginning of Bond. To validate what you're saying a little bit, I notice as I'm watching through these again, in kind of a rapid sequence, you know, doing this monthly, mm -hmm. I'm enjoying them more, I think, than I did in the original Maybe. viewing. Yeah, I could see if you had to wait for these. And I think that I'd been a Bond fan for so long. These started becoming longer and longer between when we were getting our Bond movies, mm -hmm. that my expectations, they were higher than they probably should be. Because I, to admit, I was holding on to my older Bond safety net and watching these in rapid succession has uh, changed my opinion somewhat. And maybe it's because they're actually telling a longer story between, you know, between them, how they're kind of putting them together in a bigger story. Yeah. I'm liking as well, too. So I have never seen Spectre, so I don't know what to expect. I remember going to see it late and I fell asleep. I remember. Was there a water, underwater scene? <laughs> <laughs> and now. Possibility. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm giving it a seven. I really enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, you know, this movie, I was only going to watch, in, you know, half of it and then stayed watching longer than I thought. And All right. I the movie went so quickly for two and a half hours. Well paced out, I think. Yeah. Between actions, you got some character building and all that. I got to admit, I watched it twice in preparation for this one because I didn't want to embarrass myself like I did in Quantum again. <laughs> Jason, Jason we, we don't even remember what happened. But Jason, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, man. Two rookies, two sevens. And I think it's time we crown this episode's double O award winner. Pat and Delvin will do this by answering a series of trivia questions on Skyfall. Delvin is our current champion. He gets to choose when he's going to go. But before we do that, let's take a quick break to thank our Patreon sponsors. Over to you, Vamplexico. White Rocket Entertainment. We have to pause for just a second here to thank the fine folks who keep shows like this from White Rocket Entertainment on the air. For as little as a dollar a month, you can join their ranks and keep our programs coming. That includes all of the shows that White Rocket produces. Our great patrons as of now include Matthew Flowers, Carl Von Drunker, Samuel Salvatore, and Christopher Burleson, along with Phil Amthor, Ben Spooner, William Glenn Matthews, Gary Grant, Wynn Carroll, Brian Gray, Winston Boddy, Willie Carden, Tom Anderson, Susan Trawick, Logan Chilton, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, Justin Bean, Steve Trawick, and Richard Stevens. And then there's Christopher Stewart, Clinton Stewart, Nikki B., 
William Morgan, Phil Davis, Joshua Corbett, John Otsuki, Preston Settle, Daniel Odom, A.U. Falling Up, Alchemist, Kevin Smith, Clarence Alford, Will Summerford, David Hegler, Johnny Caldwell, Theodore Gary, Reynolds Wolf, Joel Beckham, Valiant Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Ann Kangian, Catherine England, George Gaston, John McCune, David Evers, Andrew Barber, Timothy, Steve Harlan, Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, Rich Reimer, Jared Albrick, Blake Heron, Stephen Houston, Cato the Barner, Danny Flack, Papa Todd, Russell Milling, Kevin Canoy, Don Zederman, Ross, Lane Middleton, Shannon Butson, Randall Walker, Hugh Anderson, Shane Bailey, Mick Vigicana, Chris Thrash, Tony Perry, Alex Wynn, Josh Teal. And then there's David Simpson, Earl Ricks, Mike Finley, C.T. Wayne, Jeremy Minton, Ward M. Wade, Spanky, J.W. Rice, Jason Albrick, Kevin Mahan, Stephen Wyatt, Trevor Johnson, Auburn Elvis, Robert Drain, Brandon Smith, Royce Alvarez, Thomas Brinson, David Smiley, Matthew Wagstaff, Donnie Reynolds, Wade Carson, Ivor Evans, John Zavachin, Michael Morton, Lawrence Kane, Darren Pyle, Chris Camo, Ben Amos, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Rob Morgan, Stephen Schuster, James Taylor, John Stubbs, Kenneth Brent Rains, Nicholas Craig, Joseph A. Miller, Mark Squire, plus Chris, there's Brant Rumble, the great surfer Chickify, and our one-time and anonymous donors. We thank you all, and for as little as a dollar a month, you can join their ranks. Just go to www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net, or the Podbean page at secretpodcast.podbean.com. Well, thanks to all those folks at Van Just Read Off, and if you'd like to help us old dogs find some new tricks, you too can help sponsor the show over at patreon.com. Just search the keyword Plexico, P-L-E-X-I-C-O. You can give as little as $1 a month to help keep Agent Jason's straight razor clean. Mm-hmm. Or keen. Keen. Just keen, sorry. And like all those other folks whose names you just heard, you get a shout out on every episode of all White Rocket Entertainment shows, including this one. As a Patreon, you'll also get bonus materials, behind the scenes information on all White Rocket endeavors, including our novels, comic books, and more. Okay, let's find out who this mission's Trivia 00 award winner is going to be so he can lord it over the other guy until our next episode. Agent Jerry and I have each prepared three questions for a total of six. We'll take turns asking each of the contestants a question. You get it right, that's one point. You get it wrong, your opponent has an opportunity for a steal. Most points get you the coveted double O award, a rundown Scottish estate, and a bottle of painkillers to be taken with vodka. While supplies last, not available in all areas. That kind of perked up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going for it, man. (laughs) Let's start the segment we like to call Agents Under Fire. I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. Okay, okay. Agents under fire time. Delvin, you the champ. You want to go first or second? You always go second. I do. All right. I am. Not going to change that. He knows that, Pat. What? Because I've had many opportunities to go second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think he said he wins a lot. Oh, I my. Think, I think he's throwing I'd, down. You know what? I've given it up. Maybe <laughs> it's because I've let you win. It's a long game that I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Okay, Pat. Who do you want to read for If I could put you? my hands on your knees right now, I would be. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be looking you in the eye. All your training. What makes you think this is the first time I've done this? <laughs> All right, it's getting weird. This is <laughs> All right, Pat. Who's reading? I get to choose who reads to me. Oh. This isn't new, Pat. <laughs> 23rd episode, man. You know what? I'm gonna go with my tried and true Jason, since he's given me the answers. <laughs> All right, Jason, light this candle. 
All right, Pat. So your question is for the first easy one. What two pieces of hardware does Q give Bond at their first meeting? He gives them a Walter PPK gun and the little radio. That is correct. I would also have said nothing because he's already had the pump. (laughs) (laughs) Delvin, what weapon is used to kill the main villain, Silva? Oh, a knife. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes the old ways are the best. You got it. All right. We're coming into the medium round. And Pat, your question is this. What was the only item in M's office that survived the MI6 bombing? It was that little bulldog with the flag on it. And she gave it to Bond at the end. And he was like, oh, it melted his heart. It did melt his heart. Very good. You got it, Pat. Woohoo! Delvin, we talked a little bit about the hardware that was given to Bond just a moment ago. What was unique about 007's gun that Q provided him? He was the only one who could fire it. That is correct. Says incorrect. The answer is nothing. There's nothing unique. We saw it in License to Kill. (laughs) Welcome to Bitter Agents. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jason, depending on which view you see, it it, it was a prequel to (laughs) possibly a you know what? Let's keep going. This, this makes my head hurt. Let's go into the hard questions. Name the agent that Bond tries to save during the pre-credits, but he didn't make it. Uh, I'm going to say Smithers. I don't know. I thought he was going to say I it. I thought he was going to say it for a second, too. That was Delvin. so smug. When I was reading about my pre-credit notes, I had it in the notes and intentionally didn't say the name because it may have been a question. That is, I BS you not, it was Munson. Oh, no. <laughs> it, it wasn't. Uh, it was not Munson. It was Munson. It was Bronson. You need to, you need to turn the volume up on your TV. It's Bronson. <laughs> okay. I wrote Munson. <laughs> yes. It's in the notes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to get his hearing checked to yes. turn his TV oh, up. Yes. But that's all right. Don't get too excited, Pat. He's, he's about to take this home. Yeah, he could win this one. What was the cause of Silva's deformity? It was cyanide. Got it. Hmm. When I wrote oh. it, it seemed hard, but once we saw yeah, it, yeah, now that we read it, it's like, it's not. Well, guess what, everybody? Delva just won again. Yeah, that because you gave him an easy one at the end. <laughs> Come on. Granted, it was pretty easy. It didn't seem like it. You could have made up a harder one. You could have picked Jared. You went, you went with Jason, though. <laughs> or he could have picked, uh, you know, going first for a change. But he never does. <laughs> he never does. <laughs> we will stand the show's rigged. together. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations to Delvin be sure to do the right and proper thing and lord this victory over Pat like you're doing right now until you guys meet again in the next episode you're on mute I can't hear you <laughs> you want it you keep it old buddy now for one of our last segments of the show entitled Return Fire. During Return Fire, rookie agents Pat and Delvin get to toss Jason and I a trivia question they brought with them in an attempt to stump the double O experts. Jason, I have to ask you to carry me tonight. Uh-oh. <laughs> As usual. Uh-oh. I'm not feeling strong. I like the film, but I don't think I've seen enough times. Well, let's find out with Return Fire. This never happened to the other film.
Pat, what you got for us tonight? Open fire, Pat. All right. Well, it's probably going to be an easy one. So we kind of talked about it. On the back of the car, there's a little white sticker on it. What is on that on that sticker? Which car? Aston Martin? Yes. Is it the GB for GB. Great Britain? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. We got around one. What was the license plate? BMT 216A. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, I was I wasn't really paying attention to so much stuff. I was watching the movie, so I just gave you the Jared gives the Delvin the win question. Hey man, I emailed you the questions yesterday. <laughs> All right, Delvin, what you got? So Silva worked with M. Correct. We got um, it. Woo! Yes. True. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it was at station H and he mentioned the specific years of which he did. Yes. What it's were they? Station 8 is Hong Kong from 1985 to 1997. Yes. Dang, I put 86 to 94, so maybe I need to retune my TV. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty confident in that, but I think the 97 was correct. I put Station H, I put 86 to 94, but you guys seem confident about it? I have the official answer. What's, What's that? that? It was 1986 to 1997. Ah. Uh, uh. We were all yeah. right, and we were all wrong. Yeah, the 97 struck true, but I couldn't remember the beginning. I think he moved there in December of 85. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So we took a little bit of a hit there. We'll make it. We're I like feel fun. okay. I thought we were well prepared for this one. <laughs> Nicely done, guys. Agent Jared, what do we have in the Eyes Only mailbag this week? What, no small talk? No chit-chat? Thank you, Jason. As a reminder to our audience, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can send us your questions or comments or trivia challenges to OHMSpod at Outlook.com or over on our Twitter page at OHMSpod. So go ahead and send us an email at OHMSpod at Outlook.com, attach your audio recording, and we just might play it on the show. Also, if you're an iTunes listener, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review for the show. It'll help us raise the show's profile and get more 007 family members on the program. And we just like to hear from you. And as a reward for leaving a review, we will read your entire review on an upcoming episode of MI6 Rookie Agents. But let's get to our regular feedback sections tonight. Okay, we got a handful of these tonight, so let's just get to them. And we will try to keep our responses brief again, because this part of the show tends to go long. You know what? Let's see what Royce the Voice from San Antonio has to say tonight. Hey, y'all. This is your man at Station TX, Royce, a.k.a. Agent Voice, in lovely San Antonio, Texas. It's about that time again. It's time for What Made You Sing That? What's the line that precedes the following in Skyfall by Adele? In my humble opinion, this song has been the best Bond theme song in a long time. Probably since Tina Turner's Goldeneye. Anyway, the line is, Where worlds collide and days are dark. Alright, do you have it? Where worlds collide and days are dark. Skyfall is where we start. That's it. Where worlds collide and days are dark. That's it. I like this song. I, think I was beating it looking at it. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. Delvin's got the confidence in me. Let's find out. The answer to what precedes where worlds collide and days are dark is a thousand miles and pulls apart. The entire verse is Skyfall is where we start. A thousand miles and poles apart. Where worlds collide and days are dark, you may have my number. You can take my name, but you'll never have my heart. Anyway, that's a great song. Love it. Sing in the shower all the time. You know, probably like everybody else. We'll see you next time. 
Later. You know what we could do is just... <laughs> we could cheat. Yeah, <laughs> I can't do that. You got me, voice. I was so confident. I forgot I, I, that. I thought you had it. There was one more line in there. Good one, voice. You got us, man. You got us. Got us on an easy one, too. I feel bad about it. Uh, anyway. Well, you were close, man. You were you were mm. right on it. You know, let's go and see what Agent I has to say with our literary bond connection. Hello, rookie agents. This is Agent I with your Fleming connection for the 2012 James Bond film Skyfall. This is one of the movies with both a title and a plot that had no direct connection to the works of Ian Fleming. But there are some elements of the literary James Bond present in the film. Early in the film, Bond is injured during a mission and goes missing. He is declared dead by MI6, and his obituary is published in the newspapers, describing him as a veteran of the British Navy and an employee of the Foreign Service. Bond later reappears and has to be evaluated for fitness to return to duty. This is also what happens at the end of the novel, You Only Live Twice, and the beginning of the subsequent novel, The Man with the Golden Gun. So in both the novels and the films, Bond comes back from officially being declared dead to return to active duty. Also, at the end of the film, the audience learns about Bond's childhood, including that his Scottish father, Andrew Bond, and his Swiss mother, Monique Delacroix, died because of a mountain climbing accident. This makes James an orphan at about 11 years of age, going on to live with relatives and friends of his father. James's childhood is also referenced in the 2006 movie Casino Royale, where Vesper Lind identifies Bond as an orphan. This makes it easier for MI6 to employ him as a secret agent, as he has no family obligations that could be more important to him than his country. Another element common between Skyfall and the literary Bond would be the relative realism of the gadgetry and his hobby of collecting classic cars. The gun and the radio issued to 007 in the British Museum are similar to the tools of the literary 007 and the fact that James would have a classic car stashed away for use in an emergency. This must be something MI6 didn't know about, since they sold his flat and all of his belongings upon his death. Though the literary James Bond never had an Aston Martin armed with machine guns, like the one shown in the movie. While Skyfall has several things which extend way beyond the James Bond 007 of Ian Fleming's novels, there are still traces of a character that Fleming would recognize even in these films, made 60 years after his literary debut. You can follow me for more Bond knowledge on the Twitter at Seek Out Wisdom. This is Agent I, signing out. Literary Bond knowledge, everyone. By the way, if you want to know a little bit more about Bond when he was informed about his parents' death, Charlie Higson has written some excellent young Bond novels, and in the very first one, they do address that and where he went to live after their deaths and that kind of thing, and it's quite good. Quite good. Thank you, Agent I, for sending that in. And uh, let's head to South Africa, shall we? Hello, rookie agents. It's Agent R, Matt Robenheimer, back again with some thoughts about Daniel Craig's third Bond film, Skyfall. 2012 really felt like it was the year of Bond. Not only was it the 50th anniversary of the film series, Bond even helped the Queen to open the Olympic Games. Good evening, Bond. And the new Bond film, Skyfall, became the most successful film in the series, earning over a billion dollars at the box office and universal acclaim from the critics. And the film has a lot to offer. Some really good action, an excellent pre-title sequence, Take the bloody shot! A memorable Oscar-winning theme song. And speaking of Oscars, the film has some really top-quality Oscar-winning talent in front of and behind the camera. This makes me feel a little melancholy. 
grand old warship being ignominiously hauled away the scrap. But the thing that really surprised me about the film was that Bond was portrayed as being old and world-weary, past his prime and seemingly ready for retirement. Is there any of the old 007 left? To be honest, I wasn't quite ready to see Bond past his sell-by date. But it was just the previous film that wrapped up the James Bond origin story. So what had happened to all those years of James Bond in his prime? But nonetheless, I wasn't complaining too much because the film delivered a lot in terms of spectacle, action, uh, great cinematography, and the film had some really strong characters. M is a really central character in this film, and it was a fitting end to the almost two-decade tenure of Dame Judi Dench in the role. I also liked how the film set up Ray Fiennes as a new M more in the traditional mold, even down to the leather-padded door that was a kind of an iconic feature in early Bond films. Good luck, 007. Don't cock it up. And after the fairly bland villain in Quantum of Solace, I thought that Javier Bardem brought something a lot more memorable and iconic to his performance as a Bond villain. England. The Empire. MI6. <laughs> You're living in the ruin as well. The film did have a few faults, and my biggest one was just how conveniently Silver's plan works out in the film. He's getting captured and placed in a glass cell in London, from which he's able to escape seemingly without much difficulty, and even has the foresight to have explosive placed in just the right place in subterranean London that he's able to bring a tube train crashing down on Bond at the perfect moment. Just the point and click. But in the end, I suppose the dubious plotting doesn't really matter because audiences loved the film. And it felt great to be a Bond fan experiencing this upsurge in positive public opinion towards the Bond series. Skyfall became almost an instant classic and a high point in the history of the series. And I think it proved to be a fitting celebration of 50 years of James Bond movies. So those are some of my thoughts about this film. For me, it ranks up in my top 10 James Bond movies. I hope that you've all enjoyed this movie, and I'll be back again with some thoughts about the next film. Goodbye for now. Guys, we had an egregious oversight. Hmm. We did not pay enough tribute to Dame Judi Dench for her awesome performances as M. She started with Brosnan, and she ended her run with this movie, and that was something I completely had forgot about when I saw it, and I was like, she's dead? Like, oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that got to me and it clearly got to Bond too, where they gave him a pretty pointed emotional moment at the end of the movie where he shed tears over her and they were worth it because she was fantastic. She was fantastic to him personally, but she was fantastic uh, every time that she graced the silver screen. So I was mm-hmm. fortunate enough to have seen her. I think we all were. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Agent R, Matt Robenheimer from South Africa. It sounds like he and I could be best friends. <laughs> He liked everything I liked. He found the plot holes I found. And he mentioned the Dame Judy Dinch angle. But one thing he did mention that we didn't really hit on is that it really did thrust Bond back in the public eye again with its billion dollars. And a lot of people mm. saw it. You guys, both rookie agents, said that you saw that film. Yep. So yeah, it, it was high times for the franchise. And that's a good thing. It's time to get high times again. Bond 25, baby. All right, let's check in with our man in the Netherlands, Agent Z. Hello, rookie agents. This is Don Zuiderman calling in from the Netherlands, and you have reached Skyfall, Daniel Craig's third outing as Bond and the 50th anniversary of the franchise. 
Now, I want to talk to you about something oddly specific, namely the villain's introduction. Hello, James. Welcome. Do you like the island? <laughs> My grandmother had an island. Nothing to boast of. We could walk around it in an hour, but still it was, it was a paradise for us. One summer, we went for a visit and discovered the place had been infested with rats. They'd come on a fishing boat and gorged themselves on coconut. So how do you get rats off an island? My grandmother showed me. We buried an oil drum and hinged the lid. Then we wired coconut to the lid as bait, and the rats would come for the coconut, and boing, 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 they would fall into the drum. And after a month, you've trapped all the rats. But what did you do then? Throw the drum into the ocean? Burn it? No. You just leave it. And they begin to get hungry. And one by one, they start eating each other until there are only two left, the two survivors. And then what? Do you kill them? No. You take them and release them into the trees. But now they don't eat coconut anymore. Now they only eat rat. You have changed their nature. Now doesn't Silver get one of the most interesting stories to tell? It's all in one long shot, exactly paced for Javier Bardem to walk all the way from the lift towards Bond. And we finally get to see Silver, but not until we're halfway through the film though. Before that, he was only talked about. His fearful reputation was built up to extreme proportions. It's all rather reminiscent of Dr. No, who we don't see until the very last quarter of the film. And then Dr. No also has this wonderful story to tell. I was the unwanted child of a German missionary and a Chinese girl of good family. Yet I became treasurer of the most powerful criminal society in China. Or what about Red Grant stalking Bond the entire time during From Russia With Love until that final confrontation in the train? The first one won't kill you, not the second, not even the third, not till you crawl over here and you kiss my foot. And then there's Mr. Big in Live Let Die, a unique character and also very intimidating. I'm telling you, don't go out there to L.A. and clean it up, or I'm coming out there and clean you up, and I mean that. Is this the stupid mother that tails you uptown? There seems to be some mistake. My name is... James is for tombstones, baby. Y'all take this honky out and waste him, now! Well, there are just too many. So, gentlemen, please go back in your mind and think of the villain's introductions. What do you prefer, when you see the villain from the outset of the film? Or have his reputation being built up by others first? How much do you know about fear? All there is. Not like this. <laughs> Not like him. What is your favorite villain's introduction? Alright, that's all for now, gents. I hope you've enjoyed Skyfall, and I'll be back for your next mission, Spectre.
This is Don Zuiderman signing out. All right, boys, villains, backstories. Do you like uh, getting the villain later in the movie? Do you like the villain earlier in the movie? Do you like the buildup? What do you think, DJ Cristados? I like the buildup, I think. You know, if they can make a bigger name for themselves that way, the more scarier the threat. Mm -hmm. I feel that same way, but only if the buildup really delivers. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, You know, if they they do a buildup and give you like a dominant green. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I like the villains that are almost as charming and sophisticated as James, you know, Drax. Oh, or, I thought, oh here we go. But you know where I'm going. Sanchez. Yeah. Okay. Let's just lay it out on the table. So who am I going to say? Sanchez. Sanchez. My favorite villains are probably Sanchez and Max Zorin, Christopher Walken, because they're just so like, well, Christopher Walken is Christopher Walken, but I got to give it to Sanchez because he's there from the beginning to the end. He starts out very dark, so you're already afraid of him. You don't really need any buildup because he's whipping that girl and uh, it's off-putting. But he's got that part of him that rewards loyalty. He's not the Bond villain that just kills people to save money or to show how evil he is. If you're loyal to him, he'll be loyal to you. So I'm on board with Sanchez. I'll kick it to Delvin, and then Jason can bring it up with his Bond thoughts. Not sure. If it's telling a good story, I'm okay with it. In other words, there have been some Bond movies I've liked where they lay out all the players at the beginning. The chase is on, and that's cool. I like that there's times where there's the buildup. Like in this case, I looked and saw that an hour plus had passed before Javier Bardem you know, did that very awesome scene talking about the rats and everything. I don't really care for the origin story unless it plays directly into the story. Mm-hmm. Um, when they mentioned Dr. No, and he came in and he gave that really awkward expositional story about his childhood. I was like, who the hell cares? <laughs> but without it, you don't get the Dr. Evil expositional story riffing on the James Bond. <laughs> that is <laughs> true. Absolutely. Which, which of course, I, I can appreciate a lot better now than I did before. But yeah, as long as it ties directly into the story, I don't need to hear about Scaramanga's third nipple. That makes sense. <laughs> what if you took mine, Delvin? Yeah, sorry. But as long as it makes sense to the story, that's what I, I care about more than anything. That's a good point. Either way is fine, as long as it's well executed. I like that. Jason? Yeah, a couple thoughts. Look at the Donovan Grant. See, to me, Donovan Grant wasn't the main villain in the story. Spectre was the main villain in the story. A bonded Blofeld never meet. Red is really the Jaws mm-hmm. of that story. I don't really count that one. I do count one that he didn't mention, which Delvin did, Scaramanga, because we did get the exposition. We got the build up, the million dollar shot, highest paid hitman, yada, yada, yada. I don't think that one quite paid off as much as I would have liked. I would say out of my favorites, I like Mr. Big because Mr. Big was unique and you really got two reveals. Mm-hmm. You got the one that they thought he was, and then later, the one he actually was, played by the magnificent Yafet Koto, who I think is probably one of my, my favorite Bond villains to date. Can't argue with that. There you go, Agency. And with that, the last send-in we've got for this episode is our Rusty Agents. Good evening, agents. This is Rick from the Junior Mission Control Center, also known as Jeff and Rick Presents. I'm providing this week's field report on the film Skyfall from the junior agents stationed in the Pacific Northwest. As usual, I surprised my fellow agent Jeff, a.k.a. the rustiest of agents, during the recording of our regular podcast, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, with a pop quiz 
in the middle of our script. His answers are definitely not prepared. Royalty, what can you do, right? Oh, oh royalty, what can you do about crazy royalty? Hey, uh, actually, speaking about royalty, how much do you know about dames? Especially Dame Judy Dench. Pop quiz, Rusty <laughs> Agent. Oh, surprise. <laughs> you didn't expect this one, did you? Yes. Yes, you did. You I did? did? You oh. did? Oh, no, you wow. did. No, I you mean, didn't. no, this is coming out of left field of royalty <laughs> or whatever it is you want to call it. But Oh, Go on with your surprise pop <laughs> quiz, quiz master. Guy follows the 23rd Bond movie, the third starring Daniel Craig, and the seventh with Dame Judi Dench as M. This was also the film in which her character dies. Now, Dame Dench has had an amazing, deep, and rich career in the theater and film. And my question for you is, name five other non-Bond movies that she has been in. Okay, there was, oh, it's where she was the ethereal queen. Vin Diesel, it is, was that Riddick or was uh, Necromundo or something? It's very much a Warhammer 40k storyline in about three different movies that were jammed into that movie. Chronicles of Riddick, I believe that was what it was. You're correct, Chronicle, uh, Chronicles of Riddick, that's one. Uh, let's see, what else has she done? I'm now going to start drawing blanks, which is a terrible, terrible thing. She played Queen Elizabeth in, uh, You're in Love. Two. Two, she in she's probably in one of the grand, re-oldening Grand Budapest. Uh, grand Budapest. No, nope, not the Grand Hotel. Budapest Hotel. There is no name of a hotel though. Okay, uh, is Hotel Transylvania? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh come on! Why can't I get that? It is non-bond movies. Non-bond movies. She wasn't in Sling Blade. No, nope, Best Exotic Marigold. Ah, okay, so there we go. I, best Exotic Marigold. What's the name of the second one? Uh, The Bester Exotic Marigold. Return. No, what's the name of the second one? More Marigold. More what's the name of the second one? Second. Oh, oh, you're hinting to me right now. The second Best Marigold, <laughs> Marigold Hotel. Give me one more movie. Come on, one more movie. Lord, you can do on. it. Come on, there's got to be one. I don't want a bullet in the head again, because uh, starting, I'm starting to get tendonitis from it. Come on, Rusty. Not tendonitis, tinnitus. I go mop, mop. Op. She, you know she's probably been in a Fast and the Furious film because why not? You know what? Because you know you, you mentioned Red. I think the uh, the snappers are going to come out and. <laughs> All right, here. Let, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tide. Uh, yeah, I never saw was, that. She was also in Jane Eyre. She was also in Pride and Prejudice. She was also in Heat with Mussolini, Chocolate, Hamlet, Henry V. All right, I, I know she's done stuff. I know she's more than just a person who was in a Chronicles of Riddick movie. Uh, here, hold on. Let me, uh, you might want to avoid the splatter zone. I'm going to just, uh, open up the window just real quick. Okay. And, uh, I'm going to lean out and I'm going to take one last breath. Hey, is that a training as always will continue in the field until our junior agents are able to handle any situation. Thank you for accepting our reports until next time. Junior agents signing out. Well, <laughs> if right. I've learned nothing from that, it's that I've never seen her in anything that's not a Bond film. So. No. no. <laughs> Jeff, man, I feel for you on that one. I <laughs> I hope he ducked. No, he did not. No. Mm. <laughs> he did. He did. Oh, did like Bond. See, I learned how many times you could fool Jeff with the same prank, and apparently it's 22. He wises <laughs> up on the 23rd attempt. <laughs> Fool me once. Shame Shame on on you. you. (laughs) (laughs) Fool me 23 times. (laughs) Oh, man. Fun as always, guys. Only Jason's wife, who's made him watch classy films, helped him. I think Jason got a couple of those while we were 
Yeah, I remember the Grand Budapest Hotel, Philomena, I remembered, and then I started petering out. So add Jason's two Mm -hmm. to the rest of the groups, and you have two. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. <laughs> not remember her from a Pirates in the Caribbean film. I didn't either, or Chronicles mm. of Riddick. Yeah, I just don't remember that. That's weird. That will bring us to a close on this episode of MI6 Rookie Agents. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from them, but in the realm of comic books, check out the Longbox Crusade. Pat, where can that be found? Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. You can find the Longbox Crusade on the Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Longbox Crusade. You can also find us on the World Wide Web at www longboxcrusade.com. Back to you, Jared. Thanks, Pat, and thanks to the fellows for taking on yet another dangerous mission. Thanks to the listeners who tuned in. If you'd like to leave a question or a comment on this or any of our other episodes, feel free to contact the show on Twitter at OHMSPod or email us at OHMSPod at Outlook.com or contact any of us directly on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Yeah, the social medias. My contact info is at Yard Sale Artist. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Ulbrick on Facebook or Instagram. Pat. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Delvin. You can find me at DEE underscore RAY 1977 on Twitter. And we hope to hear from you soon. The next episode of MI6 Rookie Agents will feature the final film. This is it. Of Spectre. We will do one more bonus episode after that where we will cover Never Say Never Again. So if you want to be thinking about those kind of comments, questions, or anything like that, feel free. We're going to be doing Spectre and Never Say Never Again. Never, never again. Never, never say never again. How oh, you know that song? They come on your playlist? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's odd. Anyway, on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, we'll return. when I was with Am in Tokyo, we had an interesting experience. Outtakes. Thank you, Miss Moneypenny. That's all. That's all. I certainly hope I remember to send that thing to Donnie Z. I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> Hello, rookie agent. <laughs> Hello. Where's my f***ing shout-out? <laughs>
<laughs> guys can eat my shit. eat my Danish <laughs> but he's not from Denmark <laughs> yeah we made that mistake once already he's not even from Denmark I just listened to Don Zerderman and his crew on the Double O Files I just did their review of Man with the Golden Gun and that actually came up late in the show Donnie Z was like, what's up with all the coconuts? I was like, yes, we're not the only ones. Notice. It's a side gig, man. <laughs> Again, the guy shows up and he's like, I need to hire you. It's a million dollars a hit, sir. No, no, I just need three, <laughs> three coconuts. Oh, that'll be seven bucks. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you don't want to hit? <laughs> Kill somebody. Nah, just coconuts. Just the coconuts. Okay, what do you want me to talk about first? The the credits themselves or the song? Um, let's go with the song. <sighs> All right, let's go with the credits. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go. <coughs> Man down. Man down. <laughs> Agent down. <laughs> I think maybe the next time we all get together, we should all go get ourselves shaven like you oh, know but like our ball. <laughs> <laughs> check out these thunderballs <laughs> if you want to pay extra you pay extra we'll take turns eat uh, we'll tur- uh, tur- turkey turkey <laughs> faith dwindling hmm Faith at 30%. 20%. Danger level. Danger level. Um, boy. That's a, they haven't seen that movie yet. <laughs> That's right. Don't cock it up. 